Are you listening? Welcome, welcome, welcome again to the Salt Bookman Show. Thank you very much for joining me today. A lot to get into. It wasn't pretty last night when the Wildcats took the W from the Trojans. I'll get into that in a second. The Arizona women's basketball team heading on the road to try and get a W against two of the best teams in the nation, Oregon and Oregon State. They faced them earlier in the season, but we'll dive into the nitty-gritty of of those matchups here soon. And, uh, and then that's pretty much it. It's, we're going to keep it short and sweet. Uh, we got a little national, uh, some football recruiting news as well. Some some uh, some national uh, letter of intent days um, that happened on Wednesday, and we'll touch base on who the Wildcats football team um, has in tow for the next season. So uh, let's get to it. don't even know where to start with this Arizona men's basketball team um, just when you're ready to be full-fledged on that on that train and, and think man you know where can this team go uh, they turn right back around and and they they kind of let up a little bit and kind of disappoint you know first of all they had a 20-point lead against USC just like they had a 20-point lead uh, 20 plus point lead at ASU and in both of those situations they let up and the opposition came back and fought hard. And in one circumstance, they lost. The next circumstance, they won. So good for them. A couple things that kind of stood out to me last night. First of all, Christian Coloco barely got any run. A minute and 59 seconds. I think that, man, that stands out quite a bit. Um, I just need to see more of him. And I don't understand why he doesn't play more than that. Uh, Max Hazard only took one shot attempt last night. Uh, he was 0 for 1. And uh, it was a three-pointer. And other than that, that's pretty much all he played. He played seven minutes, 34 seconds, and didn't really get you much of anything except for one defensive rebound. Those are things that have got to get better. Now, on the positive side, Ira Lee did a fantastic job last night. I thought he had some key buckets to kind of stem the tide when the Trojans were making a run um, in the first and the second half. Um, I thought he played with great energy, got himself – played almost half the game, 18 minutes – well, 17 minutes and 19 seconds. Um, two for two from the stripe. Uh, would like to see a few more boards from him for sure. Uh, but overall, 10 points – uh, in key baskets. Now, his plus-minus wasn't great. It was minus four, which isn't terrible, but it's not the greatest. Uh, overall, I thought that the Wildcats played decently, but that seems to be the theme with this team. You know, they, they're decent. You know, and for, for us Arizona fans, when we put so many high expectations on each one of these individual players um, as, an, as, as a single uh, contributable piece – I think we all get a, a bit frustrated when they don't come together and thrive on the court and dominate the way I think most of us would like to see. You know, the starting five did relatively well outside of Dylan Smith. You know, 20 from Nico, 18 from Josh, uh, 20 or 18 from uh, Zeke, and then another 12 from Stone Gettings. I think that's that's your core right there, those four. But you need somebody else to step up. Last night, I really stepped up. Jamal Baker was kind of off last night, although Jamal did a little bit of everything um, about as good as you can you could, and he ended up even though he's one for five from the from the field and zero for four from three, he still had a plus ten 
when it comes to the plus minus because he was doing a little bit of everything, some rebounding, uh, a couple steals, um, and uh, overall I, I, I would have liked to have seen him shoot the ball a little bit better because I think that's what Arizona really needs from him uh, moving forward. Uh, defensively, I thought he, he really did a, a nice job overall. Nico continues to struggle in different ways every single night. Uh, I keep thinking that this kid is going to break out and all of a sudden he's going to he is going to average these 20 point games with, you know, 5 to 10 assists a game and um, he's going to be the dominant point guard we all want him to be, but in in each game this season, he has had one flaw kind of stand out more than another. Um, last night, I thought his decision making from time to time uh, got a little reckless. Um, even though I thought it was solid in the first uh, first few minutes of the game, um, he made some passes that you kind of kind of left you scratching your head, like who who was that intended for? Um, shooting wise, he can he can continues to really kind of struggle three for ten from the field two for seven from three-point range and what's really scary is for a point guard you know the ball is going to be in your hands especially down the stretch and as you go down the stretch you know you're going to be the one that's going to that foul line and last night in the last four minutes of the game he did not come through at the free throw line at all he shot 12 of 18 overall and I believe he was two for six in the last four minutes that is unacceptable that cannot happen ever not for a point guard ever, period, point blank. I don't know how else to say it. Just cannot happen. So he's got to clean that up. Josh Green finally had a great bounce back game. I love to see that. And, uh, you know, Josh has been searching for his basketball soul for, for a couple games now. I thought he did a fantastic job of really coming back with a lot of lot better energy. Sean Miller thought he was going to come back and really contribute quite a bit, and he did. Uh, he had 18 points, four rebounds. He was all over the court, um, shot the ball decently well. You'd like to see that three-point percentage get up just a little bit more, you know, two for six. Um, but overall, I thought he was solid. And then, um, of course, you know what you're going to get from Zeke Naji, and you're starting to know what you're going to get from Stone Gettings. You're going to get some uh, some up and under moves, and then you're going to get some turnarounds. You're going to get some hook shots. Uh, you're going to get uh, a solid defensive effort. You're going to give somebody that plays hard and produces on the offensive end as well. Seven shots. He made five of them. Um, took one three as well. One for two from the free throw line. Had eight rebounds. Twelve and eight. Hey, for for a power forward to help out Zeke Naji, that's exactly what you want. That's something that Chase G was not able to provide when he was in the lineup and Chase did not play last night um, and so uh, you know we can't really uh, talk about him too much but again the way this team kind of fell apart needs to stop and when you look at Okongwu last night and Utomi they were shooting the lights out in that second half they uh, and then uh, Rakesovic um, also those three, 23, 22, and 18, those guys uh, damn near brought the entire team back by themselves. Um, luckily for the Wildcats, they had uh, uh, such a big lead that they were able to stem the tide and carry forward. So as we move forward, I want to hear your thoughts. You know, tweet at me, uh, you know, whatever you want to do, uh, message me, DM me, whatever the case may be, and let me know, like, where do you see this team going? Do you see this team going to a Final Four? Do you see this team getting bounced in the first round? Do you see this team winning the Pac-12? Do you see this team winning the Pac-12 tournament? Like, there is so much out there that is kind of up for grabs with this team. You just do not know what we're going to get. 
We might all be celebrating and holding hands and singing Kubaya come March, or we could all be like, yeah, I kind of saw that coming, you know, in the first week because that this team is so Jekyll and Hyde, you just don't know. And I want to point to the freshmen in terms of saying, you know, hey, they, they still have to learn and they still have to grow, and they do. They're one of the better teams in the Pac-12. Nobody can doubt that, but are they good enough to win the Pac-12? We're going to find out soon because after this week, as they, as they wrap up with the L.A. schools and they finish up with UCLA on Saturday, they have to go to Cal and Stanford, and then they come back home against the Oregon schools, the two schools that beat them the first time around. Um, payback is in order. I think if Arizona can win against UCLA and they can feel pretty good about themselves, as long as they don't get swept on the road at the North NorCal schools, you're going to be looking at a team that's won five out of six, maybe even seven in a row, and has, has, having a great opportunity to really take a hold of this conference if everything goes right. Um, but again, you could easily see a scenario where they drop one or both in, in Northern California. Cal hasn't been the easiest place to play either. Um, Stanford has been tough. And uh, then they come home, and then who knows what could happen against Oregon and Oregon State. So, so much still left out there for the Wildcats. 16-6 and six on the season. Um, they seem to have a, a better hold of the Pac-12 and, and what to expect, uh, especially when they go on the road. They got to wrap up and take care of business against UCLA, and UCLA could be a great opportunity to kind of get that feel-good win under your belt, where you dominate a team and um, and really and, and really feel good about yourself. But at the same time, with this group, you never know. It could be um, another episode of the struggle bus, and uh, we we'll just have to wait and see. So uh, we're going to take a quick break right now, and then when we come back, we're going to talk about the women's basketball team and how they are. Um, set up for another opportunity to boost their RPI against the Oregon schools. So stick around. Arizona women's basketball team um, on Monday they actually had uh, they were announced as being a top uh, four seed in the NCAA tournament um, as a as the NCAA um, did a, a an early look in to where teams sat um, as they got prepared for um, the end of the season and Arizona was a number 12 overall seed I, I, maybe 13 I'm sorry 13 overall seed and um, as it stands right now they would be hosting a first and second round um, matchup, which is fantastic. You know, that, that means, um, you know, eight teams would be coming to McHale and, uh, it would be, it certainly would be fun to, to host, uh, you know, the early rounds of the NCAA tournament at McHale. Cause man, when's the last time that happened? I think the last time that happened, I believe it was 98 or 2002. Uh, I think it was like NAU and St. John's were here and, I uh, remember NAU almost beating St. John's, and that St. John's team had Eric Barkley and uh, a bunch of other guys on that squad. But, uh, you know, th- that's it's been a long time since McHale hosted an NCAA tournament, so to have that happen would be quite awesome. Now, the things working against this women's basketball team are their non-conference schedule did not do them any favors. I believe they sat at 327 out of 331 in terms of strength of non-conference schedule, which is horrendous. 
Um, they got a great win on the road against Texas, but that's the only school that they really played that was worth anything. Uh, unfortunately, uh, and they played, I, I think they played something like five or six teams that were outside of the top 300. Whew, that, that's, that's not good. And I, and I think Adia Barnes understands that as they move forward, they're going to have to schedule better teams because uh, it's going to hurt them in the long run. Because right now, they are completely relying on the strength of schedule um, of the Pac-12 conference. That's all they're relying on right now. They get a big win against UCLA last weekend, a dominant win. I think that's what catapulted them into the top 16 um, because they do have the weakest RPI of any top 16 team as we sit right now. They're sitting at 27. And, yes, somebody tweeted at me earlier in the week when I said that, that uh, you know their RPI is only going to get better because you know the strength of the conference is only going to get better. While that is true, that you still have to win these games. You still have to win one or two of them. Otherwise, it, it, it is going to matter. You get blown up by Oregon and Oregon State this weekend. It doesn't matter. Um, you will be quickly out of the top 16. So you got to win some of these key games. You have plenty of opportunities left to do it. You got a couple against the, the Oregon schools. You got one left against Stanford. You have great opportunities still left on the table, not to mention the Pac 12 tournament. A lot of things can go your way, but you got to take care of business. And it all starts Friday against the Oregon Ducks, another rematch against this vaunted school that has got Arizona's number, um, especially uh, in the last, what, five to ten years. Oregon has just been a dominant program, and they're led by Sabrina Ionescu, who has been awesome. Sabrina Ionescu, who had a triple-double the last time they played Arizona. They won by seven. Uh, One of the key parts of that game was the second quarter where Oregon was able to jump out to a big lead, um, kind of get a little distance between them and the Wildcats. They were up by, I believe, seven or nine, I'm sorry, nine going into half. And they kind of, you know, they, they Arizona had a little run in them, cut it to five. Um, but at the end of the game, oh, when it started to, to look like, okay, we're going into the last minutes of this game, uh, it was tight. And Sabrina Ionescu took over. She took over offensively. She started scoring, um, which, you know, if you've ever watched her, she can score. She can absolutely score. But she's a great all-around player, one of the best all-around players in the history of the game, period. And that's exactly what she did. She took over. She scored. She gives her team what they need to win the game. She doesn't care what it is, whether it be passing, rebounding, stealing, uh, defensively, offensively. It doesn't matter. That's why she's one of the great ones. That's why she's expected to be perhaps the top overall pick in the WNBA draft. But Arizona has a player, too, in Ari McDonald. And even better than Ari McDonald, they also have a player that kind of mimics what Sabrina Ionescu can do. And uh, outside maybe the ball handling, Sam Thomas is the key to this squad. Sam Thomas, Sam Thomas, Sam Thomas. She needs to play the exact way she played this last weekend against both UCLA and USC. If she scores, it just opens up so much more for the rest of this team. It opens up easier driving lanes for Ari McDonald because you can't just leave her uh, you can't leave Sam Thomas wide open because she will she can shoot from the outside um, it opens up things for Kate Reese down low um, and Kate Reese she she she's gonna give you a double double just about every single game but she needs help and Ari McDonald needs help they need another third or fourth score it's kind of the same thing with the men they need that third or fourth score consistently in order to win these games. Um, with authority, and I think that's something that um, 
that has been missing a little bit this season. And I think Sam Thomas kind of gave herself a wake-up call uh, this past weekend and, you know, kind of showed herself like, hey, you know what, I, I can score with the best of them because she does so many other things that are great. She can rebound. She can play defense. She knows exactly how to get into the paint. She knows um, she's one of the best defenders on the team. And so this matchup with Oregon I expect to be a little bit different than the first time around. But – if Arizona doesn't come out ready to play, they will run into a buzzsaw and they will lose big. Don't let's not ma- mistake that. At the same time, I can completely see them being competitive, and I would expect that Arizona will have a chance to win the game under four minutes left to go in the ball game, just like the first time around in Tucson, because I think that they're that good. And then they, as you move forward. Um, to Sunday and their opportunity against Oregon State, I think that is perhaps their best opportunity to win, um, and that's against Oregon State. The Beavers, uh, they, sh- they could have won the first time around, but again, down the stretch, they couldn't find um, the, the, the offensive firepower to overcome that. And against Oregon the first time around, they couldn't find the defensive firepower to stop Oregon from scoring. Um, so it was, a, you know, one weakness versus another in two different games. And um, it's going to be interesting this time around uh, to see how the Wildcats have learned from their past mistakes, if they can rebound and recover from them, and if they can really solidify themselves as one of the premier teams in the country. Because if they beat Oregon State or Oregon, one of the two, a split on the road at the Oregon schools, Best believe national people will take notice. And now we start talking about Arizona moving up on that line, not from a four, maybe a three, maybe even a two down the road. Who knows? So um, let's hope for a, for a Wildcats win. Let's take a quick break, and then we'll get back to the last segment, which is Arizona football and uh, what happened with them this week. Well, let's talk about some defense, huh? Arizona football wrapping up their recruiting period uh, for the second uh, National Letter of Intent Day. And they they secured six recruits over the course of the week. Uh, Over the course of the day, I should say. Frank Brown Jr., a running back. He's a six-foot tailback from Sterling in Houston, Sterling High School. And then uh, really their focus was on the defensive end. Chantrell Key, a six-foot-six Defensive lineman, weighs about 262s from Chicago. Uh, Leif Magnuson on the offensive line from Bethlehem, uh, Bethlehem Catholic in Canada. A Canadian kid, 6'4", 270, so he's a big kid. Uh, Derek Morning, 6'3", 212 linebacker from Katy, Texas. And Jabbar Tritlett, 6'1", 220. You can kind of see a theme here, linebacker um, from Louisiana. And then they, they wrapped up with a uh, probably their bigger commit of the day, um, uh, cornerback Edric Whitley, 5'11", 170 from Texas as well. Uh, coach says that he's, uh, you know, he's, he's – He's cat-like quick is uh, what I've heard. Um, you know, those fast twitch muscle fibers, if you will. Uh, good jumping ability, football intelligence, football awareness, uh, so on and so forth. Um, the key with this recruiting class is, is can they develop and can they make contributions quick enough to really make a difference for Kevin Sumlin, who's, make no mistake about it, is on the hot seat for sure. Um, and so I know Kevin Sumlin and company – have really been hitting the recruiting trail hard. Um, don't forget that they um, they did get a, dra- a graduate transfer and Aaron Blackwell 
Um, he's one of uh, the five eight. Uh, the five. He's one of the five. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. He's one of the eight additions um, since December. Um, and then, uh, you know, obviously he's going to be a full-time defender along with Brendan Schooler, um, the, the brother of Colin Schooler, um, who could play a little bit of uh, a defensive back in terms of uh, safety, maybe a little bit of linebacker. But uh, a lot of work was needed for this coaching staff. And uh, after flipping Whitley, I thought that was a, a finally a, a you know, a, a nice change of pace after they had lost um, Alphonse uh, Owak to Washington State earlier in the week. Um, it, it was it was finally a, a bit of good news uh, for them. And uh, right now, recruiting websites um, they just they haven't been the best to the Wildcats. They have um, U of A ranked as 11th on Rivals, and uh, <laughs> that's that's not very good. Um, and 247 Sports actually has Arizona ranked dead last in the Pac-12. So um, it, now, now neither of those classes really include um, the graduate transfers. They don't, uh, they don't really um, they don't take that into consideration. But still, man, this is, <sighs> this is rough. Two seasons, 9 and 15 uh, for Kevin Sumlin. Can this recruiting class um, really – be the class that that Sumlin needs to really start to change the tide in this program because it's 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 been looking kind of grim here of late. So we'll see. Uh, they did hire Paul Rhodes, who replaces Marcel Yates as defensive coordinator, um, and then they did uh, upgrade their coaching staff to with uh, two other coaches, Stan Egan and Andy Boo. So uh, you know it's going to see. Uh, it's going to take some time for this defense to really change uh, their mindset. It's going to take some time for this defense to to figure out what exactly they're supposed to do um, on any given down. It's always a process on the defensive side, more so than the offensive side. It just takes a little while for players to understand their assignments and their roles and really trust one another. And it, it takes a lot of time. So um, we'll see where this goes. Um, I am happy that they added some size. I think that's something that they desperately needed. Um, I think any Arizona Wildcat football fan would tell you the one thing that has been lacking over the last several years is the lack of size um, you've seen that kind of change a little bit here you know you got your PJ Johnson's and, and so forth but um, I I'm hopeful um, but I am uh, also cautiously um, realistic when it comes to this Arizona football program they have a lot of work to do they know it we know it the fan base knows it uh, tenfold so we'll see how it all goes but uh, that's it for me I appreciate you all joining me this week on another episode of the Saul Bookman Show uh, next week we'll be back here same time same bat channel take care everybody